Sophia, not in that order. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you all. Are you all keeping up on the caffeine like Michael is? What was that? What did you say? Sorry. Are you all keeping up on the caffeine like Michael is, or is that water, Michael? This is coffee. So are you all hiding your coffee or your energy drinks? Already. Okay, well. We're sufficiently caffeinating. No energy drink endorsements for this interview. But it's a I'll endorse coffee. Coffee. There you go. Well, congratulations. Ah. <laughs> uh, the, the Adults is a thought-provoking film, lots of great character development, but I'm impressed, I'm impressed that you all sing, dance, and interpretive act in the middle of the movie. So I'm curious how much of that was improvised versus scripted. I guess I'll throw that to Sophia first. Uh, okay. Um, yes. A lot of it was not improvised. Uh, I think it's just the way it was written. It, it made it seem like a lot of the stuff, that the conversations were, were uh, improvised, but it's actually just the way Dustin writes really natural. But um, uh, the one thing that was technically improvised, uh, rehearsed beforehand by, you know, amongst ourselves is the uh, choreographed stuff, the dance, the singing, um, and the voices, um, which was a lot of fun to workshop on. Um, I know we, we did such a such an amazing job with that. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> your words. I mean, and your words, I mean, yeah, maybe I he mean, agrees. Yeah. I, I'm saying because <laughs> up those steps on the deck in the backyard as part of that, yes. you're going, how many takes yeah. did that take, really? Oh, how, how many times have we did it? Many. I bet, you many. Could, I bet we could have stopped at one, but you did do many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. D different, you know, varieties of stair walking. <laughs> they, were, they were slippery. Yeah, it was uh -huh. dangerous. Mm. Oh, yes. it was very I did, muddy. I did, I did kind of slip once, I remember, yeah. but I think Remember that... the ground conditions? Because it had, like, rained <laughs> yes, the day before. It did, I and, remember. Like, we needed the ground to not be wet and muddy, but it was, it was. Yeah, no, it wasn't <laughs> ideal, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun to do. Um, never done that before, but maybe you nailed it. You know, like maybe got a little uh, theater people in the back, yeah. and yeah, she can <laughs> so sing and like imagine oh, getting yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, calls are coming in. <laughs> I'm glad that you all survived that. And Hannah, uh, you like your castmates that you're sitting behind, kind of work nonstop. We see you in a lot of stuff, but had you filmed in that Saugerties kind of area before? No. That was the first time. Um, am I correct that that, <laughs> that was Saugerties as the town? Because there seems to be some disagreement about where that was. No. It we wasn't Saugerties. Was, we had one, one Oh, yeah, there was one, one scene one in Saugerties. We had That's two true. scenes in Saugerties, actually. Okay, the yeah. The bowling alley and oh, the bookstore, right. coming out of the bookstore, yeah. And yeah. then mostly we were Jimmy in Fallon's Newburgh. hometown. Is that right? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Who's Greek? Is he? <laughs> Someone said that. Oh, actually, it's funny. I watched a I watched a movie recently uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, there the first shot there was was uh, the bowling alley. Really, that bowling alley. The exact oh, really? bowling alley. Oh, really? <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> what a coincidence! I know that bowling alley. I like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
Open well, space. I am seeing more and more films that are filmed in upstate New York. Sometimes they're saying it's Utah, but all those things that are produced by American High, those are all upstate. Michael, had you filmed a lot in upstate New York before? Not that much. I did. I do this um, Hulu TV series with Amy Schumer called Life and Beth, and we shot some of it around upstate, but not not near where we made most of this movie, which is around Beacon and mm -hmm. uh, Fishkill. But yeah, a little bit. It's great working up there. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. the Hudson. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Nice little towns. Lots nice of beautiful towns. towns. Uh, Life and Beth, magic words just said right there. They were filming two blocks from here in Long Beach, Long Island, New York. Were you able to experience that hometown of Long Beach? I did come out to Long Beach, yeah. Um, yeah, we did a bit of shooting out there this last uh, season. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, everyone had to move their cars because of you and team. Oh. Okay, well, you know what? If you want entertainment in your life, sometimes you got to move your car because these things happen uh, to you somewhere. Sophia, <laughs> uh, had either of you filmed in Long Beach, Long Island, New York before? No. Uh, no. No. So uh, just, <laughs> just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to. Um, uh, it was so nice to, to shoot so close to home. Uh, I didn't have to go very far, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, maybe one day I'll get to shoot in New York City. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm having fun, a lot of fun right now doing this uh, Tribeca thing, because Tribeca thing, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to. It's like in 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 my area, so it's nice. It's nice. To, yeah, it is nice to be here. Yeah. yeah. We all live in New York, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Somebody's got to at yeah. this point. It's rare to get to work here, but it really is nice. Yeah. 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 Well, and Hannah, in your case, are you allowed to say what's next, or is it all the adults forever and ever? Amen. Say that again. <laughs> when you do these kinds of junkets, you want to promote the current project, which is again the adults, and we keep saying the adults. But are yeah. we allowed to know what film or TV project is coming out next for oh, you? Oh, oh, the latter, the latter. The adults the forever the adults and ever and ever. Right? Yeah, yeah the adults it's... coming out forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, forever. And I, amen. Amen. <laughs> Got it. Well, how did uh, Dustin come onto your radar, Hannah? Um, we met 10 years ago. We did a short film together and I had just done, I like fell into this, this indie film world in New York, did one feature and then through that met Dustin and rest is history. <laughs> Same question to you, Michael. How did you first learn about Dustin or meet Dustin? Dustin and I have a mutual friend, Rick Alverson, who I had worked with and, and Rick just emailed me and said, my friend Dustin is, uh, making a movie, this was back in 20, I think 15 or 16, when I worked with Dustin on his previous film, Person to Person. And yeah, so I met him through Rick. I loved the script. I really loved the writing. And then met Dustin and really loved him. And um, we worked on that and became friends and have been friends since then. There you go. And same question to be totally unoriginal here, Sophia. How did you first learn about Dustin? I'm, I'm, I'm a recent addition. Uh, I learned about him through you, actually. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, Something. You got to send an email a yeah. few years ago saying, "Hey, yeah. you work on this movie." Yeah. <laughs> and okay. I, I like, I like the writing. I like the script. I thought it was, you know, really interesting, and um, I really wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. 
as you guys said before, here the rest, we are. The rest is history. The and there you are. Well, yeah, forever, and forever, forever and ever. Amen. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you all again on this wonderful project. Looking forward to your musical endeavors. Michael, mm -hmm. looking at you on that one, and everything that all of you have <laughs> coming in the near future. And thanks Thank for you so uh, much. Thank you. Nice speaking with you. Well, good afternoon, or at least good afternoon here. Is it good morning or good afternoon? By Hi, Karen. It's afternoon. Okay. Well, good afternoon. Is your day going so far aside from having to talk to this guy? <laughs> oh, this guy is great. <laughs> this guy is well, great. Yeah, well, the, my day is going well. What about yours? Non-stop, but good. And your days are very unpredictable because you have so many darn job titles. I don't know what to describe you as. They, they say multi-hyphenate, but there's the creator, there's the producer. We know you're on The Breakfast Club, et cetera, et cetera. How do you like to be called or described? Um, I, I love every facet of entertainment. So I'll take all the hyphenates that we can get on this particular project. I'm co-creator, executive producer, uh, star of it. Um, Unleashed for Love on Audible. Um, and that feels really good, really empowering, um, just as an mm -hmm. actor to be able to sit more solidly in a position of power and actually employ other actors. Um, it feels really good, especially, you know, while we're in a strike. So <laughs> I hear you. And I also like the theme song bumper jingle of your name. Oh, right, that? Was that no, your no, that's performed by Grammy Award winning artist uh, Melanie Fiona and her husband, Jared Cotter, who's also Grammy Award winning artist. Uh, great friends of mine um, who were just more than willing to jump on board and lend their talents uh, to Unleash for Love. Immediately, I was like, this would be it would be dope to have like an original piece for our show opener. And they got the script, brief synopsis of you know, the show and what we, you know, the direction we kind of wanted it to go in as far as the feel and they just, sure. they dove in. Yeah. Right. So how long did you have to keep this project a secret that you're working on it for or to, uh, for or with or on mm -hmm. Audible? I was working on, we were working on this project for seven years. Seven years. Seven years prior to it being sold. Um, but it's all, it's all, you know, captured in Unleashed for Love. It, it's, loosely autobiographical, uh, just on the journey of just trying to make your dreams come true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to take, you know, the ball into your, your own hands and Sarita myself. Um, yeah, we were working diligently on it. It's been in different iterations. And mm -hmm. uh, during the global Ponderosa, we <laughs> reconfigured it to, uh, be in an audio space. Uh, we both were fans of, uh, homecoming and, uh, Sandman, both shows that are original audio uh, series that got turned into something, you know, that was shown on linear. And we were like, why not? Let's just position ourselves to hopefully have something that can go the distance. And we partnered with SBH in partnership. That's Kevin Hart and Charlemagne's uh, production company in partnership with Audible. And, uh, you know, we bring to you guys now Unleash for Love. So seven years, I didn't realize it was that long. My guess was two to three. Seven so years in the creation of, right? And then one year as far as recording it, um, going through different um, edits through Audible, SBH, you know, everyone has a say, uh, everyone has a vested interest in it. So, you know, they deserve sure. a right to have their say um, and, you know, to where we are now. So that process, yeah, just a little bit over a year, but the whole thing in totality over seven years. 
So going back to the whole, you have too many job titles that are respectable. <laughs> thing, uh, yeah. Where you're at now, I think most people, for lack of a better term, would kill to be at. But I get the feeling this is just the beginning of where you want to be. But where you're at now in having the creator, producer, star, et cetera, kind of path, was this a happy accident or is this what you were working to all along? No, I think it was intentional. I mean, like I said, who I am in real life mirrors. I mean, that's why we created Unleash for Love. I was knocking on so many doors as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told I don't have a big enough name yet. I'm not famous enough yet. Qualified in the act of, in the art of acting, uh, very talented in that regard. Oh, she's really funny and she's beautiful to look at all of these things, but none of those things were enough to get the yes. You know, and so we created this project to hopefully be a launch board um, to get more yeses as an actor. The timing is obviously challenging because I'm a part of SAG. Sarita is a part of WGA. Both of our unions are in a strike right now. But it feels really good to be able to promote something with someone such as yourself uh, that we both feel really good about. Um, joined by actors Logan Browning, Pretty V, Charlemagne the God, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, and we can promote their works on a project that uh, makes us all feel good, um, especially during you know these times. So we're still able to creatively get our juices flowing and and, and get out there. No, it was right. very much so intentional. Uh, sometimes you have to create your own yes, your own opportunity, and that's what we did. You just mentioned a few of the folks from a different world. And yeah. I would say a different world comes up in one in 10 interviews that I do in some really? form. People were inspired by it, cast yeah. worked on it, et cetera. Yeah. Are you about to talk about a different world with the cast members of it or are they over it? Um, no. Yeah, no. Uh, I was about to say Whitley. Jess. <laughs> I mean, I was a latchkey kid, so I grew up on them. So needless to say, I was completely starstruck just knowing <laughs> that they would play my parents, Whitley, um, Whitley, God, I gotta stop doing that. Guy, why did you put that in my head? I blame you. Thank you. I never said the word Whitley until now. Jasmine Guy and Kadeem Hardison, like I grew up on them, you know, they helped to raise me. So the idea of them playing you know, Alicia's parents in this show was just, I was like, yo, if we can get them, how amazing would that be? And they both were just so gracious, so kind. Um, I mean, obviously cultural icons. So I think they're pretty used to getting the whole, so y'all had a baby together and that's me? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? They were totally fine with it. <laughs> Flattering. Well, yeah. a, a thing that's actually on your resume because a different world is not on your resume. Detroiters. <laughs> you were on Detroiters, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. Now, really, when you were working on it, did you know that it was that good, or you just went, "I don't know. I, I trust the process." The funny thing is, working with Sam and with Tim honestly was a dream come true. Jason Sudeikis was on set because he's one of the executive producers. Uh, He was on set the day that I was shooting as well. To be quite honest with you, as a comedic actor, the allure was working on a project that Lorne Michaels was executive producing um, and Jason Sudeikis was executive producing just because you kind of hope that you do something that is good, that they'll like Mm -hmm. you. All actors go into every project if you're smart about that thing. Uh, no matter how big, that's why they say no role too small, um, yep. hoping that it will open the doors to, you know, something bigger. I was just like, I get to work with these SNL giants. I mean, you know, Tim and Sam, it just so happens that 
working with Tim, I actually cried after the, my, my two, my two episodes, like when my two episodes were done, I cried working with them for two weeks. They are the most humble, the most kind fun fact. I bust Jason Sudeikis's ass in around the world. I don't know if you, can we curse on this podcast? Uh, you, you can, but okay. Now I, he is a tall gentleman and I knew I'm that. Five eight. I'm okay. five eight. I'm five eight. And if he dares to say he doesn't remember that he is a lie because I just rubbed it in his face. I was like, did I, I bust your ass on around the world. And he was just looking at me like, I can't believe this happened. Yeah, I, that absolutely happened. I did it. And I'll dare him to say otherwise. <laughs> The things that you learn from talking to geniuses, mm-hmm. and yes, I just called you a, a genius. Thank so you. I'll take it. Thank, thank you for sharing the Detroit scene. The last thing I say about that is I didn't know if something that was that funny, if it came across when you're doing it without the special effects, without the laugh tracks and all that, if and anyone got the jokes while they were doing it or not, but I guess yeah. so. No, there were times where we definitely... Um, Clearly, I'm in New York. <laughs> all that, all that background noise. I'm, sure. There's nothing to do about that. But um, no, there were times where I thank God, especially when it wasn't on my coverage. <laughs> I was like stifling laughs and just really trying not to. Especially opposite Tim, yeah. uh, I don't think he has any sense. Uh, <laughs> and they were so gracious with giving me like buttons, you know, they're, they're improv geniuses and being able to work with them. Like I said, as a comedic actor, which is such a, uh, a beautiful experience. Um, there were, I also felt the most freeing on that set. There was a scene where, and I just remembered off the top of my head, my character was dating, uh, Sam's character. Mm-hmm. And she was like this renowned gospel artist. And in her mind, she was the cat's meow. And, you know, the director said, you can just play. Now, now just play on this take. And so she gives this whole little ditty. And then she's like singing into someone's uh, phone, creating their own voicemail. She's like, you know, for when the people call. And Sam was dying laughing because I wasn't sure if that was going to translate, you know, uh, the way I saw it in my head. And so to see them uh, die laughing, like when I did that scene, it was it was, a, it was a really good boost of confidence, if I should say so. Cool. Well, the new project that we talked about from Audible, are are you allowed to talk about what's next or do we have to wait and see because of strikes and embargoes yeah. and all that kind of a thing? I, I think everyone is waiting uh, to see what's next. Uh, I think the beautiful thing about having this project and having wrapped it up Prior to the WGA strikes, Sarita Wesley, uh, my creative co-partner in this project is a part of WGA. I obviously am a part of SAG, as are all of the actors that are in this project. Um, You know, we obviously want to be very supportive of our unions as they hold, you know, hold us down. But it feels really good to have this project to talk, you know, talk about something beautiful and something good. Um, Every single actor, we didn't have to convince any of them to participate in it. Mm-hmm. And being able to talk about how good they are and in it, I mean, I'm grateful, you know, um, and it's a beautiful distraction. I don't know what's next. I there Obviously, there's a challenge when you drop a new project and a strike just begins. Right. Because the intention of creating a show, Unleashed for Love, was with the hopes that this would open up doors for me, Alicia, Renee, as an actor. Right. It goes back to what Alicia Goodwin is experiencing within the show. 
having so many rejections, experiencing so many rejections, great and qualified for the job. She's just not famous enough yet right? Studios want to gamble on A-list actors, not gamble, but studios want to put their monies behind A-list actors, the big names. When it's the everyday talent, it's the background actors. Octavia Spencer at one point was a background actor. Now right. she's A-list actor. Um, what George Clooney had 11 pilots before he became George Clooney. Facts of life. Can't forget <laughs> him on Facts of Life. <laughs> Let's talk about it, you know? And so yeah. these actors, we create projects such as this, hoping that it will open the door for bigger things. And then unfortunately the strike happened. Nobody wants to strike. Right. It's necessary. So we support the strike. Selfishly, I'm like, oh, please can we wrap this up quickly? Somebody, right. <laughs> well, whatever it is, you know, you're clearly a diversified talent who Thanks. has a lot of irons in the fire. And it'll be interesting to see what comes next for me. But one stupid question left, and then I'll let you go. And that <laughs> question is, what's the last concert that you went to for fun? Oof, that's not a stupid one. That's actually a really good one. Um, <laughs> really? Okay. The no, it is. Because <laughs> I can't think of, nope. Um, so D-Nice oh. did a club quarantine. And he had like a lot of, uh, you know, performers come out for that. Um, and I went to Dave Chappelle did one of his joints and I went to that. Does that count? Does Dave Chappelle? I, the, the way that Dave Chappelle does live shows, it's totally a concert. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you got taste when it comes to your choice of projects, when it comes to you your do. entertainment and really looking forward to whatever's next. But I say congratulations on this one to stick with any project for more than three months sounds yeah. uh, daunting. Like my book doesn't come out for five months and I'm already going, just cancel it. <laughs> Throw the baby and the bath, bath water away. <laughs> Throw it all away. <laughs> Not you. So thank you for the inspiration. Thank you thank for the years you. of great art. Thank you so much. And thank you, uh, you know, for lending your platform uh, our way. And, and hopefully your audience will check out Unleash for Love, available right now on Audible. Mina, aside from having to do press where you answer the same questions over and over and over again, good day for you so far? Uh, it's 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 been an intense first half of the day. It's just 1130 where I am. And uh, I, I think I've been off the phone for about 10 minutes, but, you know. It is. It's. I, I took a walk with a dog and the kids this morning, so it was a good start. Are you in the podcast studio right now, or do you have the Mina AF everywhere? Uh, no. Well, this and, and I don't actually have really a podcast studio anymore. I had had a nice little room set up in our headquarters, um, but we moved out of my headquarters, and this is just like the second floor of or the third floor of my house. So I'm sitting on the couch, and that is where I record. And the bedroom is um, is our office space. So kind of, I guess it's kind of the podcast studio now, but no, I don't have that everywhere. <laughs> I was wondering if you had like 15 Mina AF signs everywhere or if there was just one. Well, so it was kind of like when I, Two Chicks and a Hammer started, I was like, I need a name. We need a name so I yeah. can like get merch and like order business checks. And so when Mina AF was a thing, I bought myself a neon sign because I was like, okay, now we feel legit. I've got a neon sign that says it. Got it. Well, before I ask about Good Bones coming back from another season, you know, congratulations on that. When I Google you, the first thing that comes up is 
TV personality. When uh -huh. did you start to notice that you weren't thought of as a real estate expert, a an actual renovator? A designer, a, a contractor, any of those things. Honestly, my husband probably Googles me more than I do. Every once in a while, he'll do like the search and I'll be like, did you know XYZ or ABC? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Because um, I just kind of have my head in the sand most of the time. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, it's, I feel like eight seasons in it's something a comma and maybe TV personality, but I don't, yeah. you don't really get the first few things? You just get the TV personality. Yeah. But which is a compliment. I mean, that shows, Hey, hundreds of thousands to millions of people, depending on the episode, yeah. care about you and know who you are, which is a compliment. But when you're doing your first TV appearance, there's always nerves. And now at this point, that you've done hundreds of them. When did you start to realize, hey, this is gonna be the rest of my life as opposed to a one-off you had to be nervous about? Yeah, well, it's so interesting because I think this speaks to maybe why we make good TV because we're not normal humans, slightly <laughs> dysfunctional. Um, sorry, my dog's flopping around. The Before we even filmed the show, when yeah. High Noon sent the film crew out, they were filming us walking around this, this festival that's right in our neighborhood. It's a big graffiti festival. And they were just following us and recording us. And mom and I were like, what are, we, what are we doing? What does this have to do with anything? And at the end of the day, they're like, you know, we just do this to help people get acclimated to the cameras. Um, and it, it was never weird for us, which I think makes us very weird humans. Um, it was just like another face in the room. Um, yeah. But I think just because my, my family's so big and crazy, it's it was just a couple more people. That makes sense. So Indiana, where you were associated with, which I've had the pleasure of going to, we have family in oh, Indiana. Yeah. Nowadays, everything's happening in Indiana. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, those many, many, many years ago, everything happened in New York, LA, yeah. Chicago, Miami, and you had to get out of there if you want to have yeah. a career related to television. When did you start to notice, hey, we can be in Indiana and work in entertainment? Yeah, I mean, entertainment obviously wasn't our goal. Um, we, you know, we kind of stumbled into it, and it's been it's been so cool. But learning so much more about the industry because I'm in it now, um, and the different trades, and we're actually getting to retain so many talented people in the Midwest now, particularly post COVID, when everyone realized like we can do our job from anywhere. Why not live in the Midwest, which is super cool, has a really, really great cost of living. Um, but I think specifically where I live, like this downtown Indy, everyone used to, we got corn and cows. That's what we have. But our downtown really, really started flourishing. It was probably right around 2009, 2010 when um, I moved to Fountain Square and we were really doing a lot of work here city was putting money back into like our walking biking trails and that kind of really catapulted this growth and indy's so unique downtown indy in the fact that you can walk on foot to football basketball baseball our art museum um music venue like i think three music venues mm -hmm. and there's i can't think like cincinnati's close but i can't think of another city that has all that stuff in such close proximity and then my husband and I live a mile from the center of the city. So from our home, we can walk any of those places. Or if you take an Uber and get dropped in the middle, you can go to all of them. And it's so cool. And Good Bones has done a really, really cool job of showcasing how cool Indy really is. is so is the Indiana hierarchy officially Jim Ursay 1, Letterman 2, 
Starsiak Hawk three? Uh, I don't know. I, I would like to say I'm in the top 10, but there's a lot of pretty talent. Who's the, the, the like, uh, maybe poet or whoever said it, but like anywhere I go, there's always someone from Indiana doing something cool. Yeah. I should know who the quote is by, but I think he's probably in that top five as well. I'm gonna Not have to John Mellencamp. It, no, it is. Is it John Mellencamp? Oh, it is. Mel- no, is I don't John know. Mellencamp? I just guessed. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, th- I think you might be right. But John Mellencamp is, he's up there too. So um, I would be lucky to be in the top 10 with some of those people. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav, and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow Cast. Paltrow Cast.